You're listening to Slice of Cheese with Jenny Linford on Food FM. Savour the crunch of Peter's Yard sourdough crackers. Available at Waitrose, Sainsbury's, Ocado, Amazon, petersyard.com and specialist food retailers. To find out more about Food FM and our content, go to foodfmradio.com. Hello, welcome to A Slice of Cheese, the Food FM radio series that celebrates the world of cheese. I'm Jenny Linford, a food writer and cheese enthusiast, the author of Great British Cheeses. Cheese is a delicious and fascinating food, and we're setting out to explore this remarkable food and share the stories of the people who make, sell and love it. This week on A Slice of Cheese, we're looking at paneer, a cheese that plays an important part in Indian cuisine. We talk to food writer Rupa Galati, author of India World Vegetarian Cookbook, about how to make paneer yourself and why you should. Ravinda Bagal, chef and restaurateur of Jikoni in Marylebone, tells us about how she cooks with paneer. And also, all the way from Kashmir, we speak to Mariam Reshi, the Times of India's food critic, about paneer's role in Indian cookery, both domestic and restaurant. Online, on smart speakers and on Listen Again, this is Food FM. Savour the crunch of Peter's Yard sourdough crackers. Available at Waitrose, Sainsbury's, Ocado, Amazon, petersyard.com and specialist food retailers. I'm very happy today to have Rupa Gulati talking to us on a slice of cheese. Um, Rupa is the author of a wonderful cookbook called India the World Vegetarian and knows a huge amount. She's a wonderful cook and food writer. Um, Rupa, today we're looking at paneer, the Indian cheese. Tell me a little bit about the what sort of role does paneer have in, in Indian cuisine? Perhaps you could tell us about that. Paneer has a pivotal role in Indian cooking, especially among vegetarians, because it's a really good source of protein when you can't have meat or eggs. But also what I find so interesting about this fresh cheese is that it's got such a long history. It goes back thousands of years because, you know, India originally did have quite a strong dairy industry. And from that, they started making their own cheese. I mean, it was an agricultural um, culture, um, unlike some areas of Southeast Asia. And it can be traced back, you know, right thousands of years when they would curdle milk um, with green leaves or bark or or yogurt to, to get it to set. And then that process sort of petered out a bit later. And when we're still talking thousands of years ago, when souring milk was considered to be inauspicious Mm -hmm. um, by by orthodox um, Hindus at the time. So it sort of went out of favor for a while. And uh, and then it came back. And modern paneer, as we know it, can be traced back to the Persian word um, and various plays on paneer, P-A-N-W-E-R, as we know it, comes from paneer, P-E-Y-N-I-R, which just means cheese um, in, 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 in places like Turkey and modern-day Iran. Um, but you know, many people think there's so much folklore associated with it, and there's so many competing stories. Um, but most people believe it was sort of, it's been around for thousands of years, but the modern paneer as we know it came via Afghanistan and Iran um, through the Mughals um, in the 1600s. 
in the royal kitchens, paneer found favour because it could be used as a substitute for meat. And pasanda is a cut of meat, um, a bit like a, a sort of a minute steak, of course, not beef, because, um, but it would be lamb, um, thinly cut. And paneer could be cut in the same way and then simmered in a similar gravy. So quite often you got masalas made with cashew nuts and um, tomatoes and cardamom. Well, tomatoes came a bit later, um, but they were simmered together in the same sort of meaty masala. Only thing is that you would use paneer instead. But I'm I'm particularly fond of the Portuguese link, and that, that happened in the 1700s when the Portuguese came to East India in Bengal. And many people say that, well, they reintroduced this whole um, business of curdling milk with an acid. And there's something called chena there, which is um, paneer that, it's similar to paneer that hasn't been pressed. And once it's kneaded, it's incorporated into sweetmeats. So there's lots of spongy sweetmeats and desserts in Calcutta that people will say, can be traced right back to the Portuguese influence. Um, and, and you know, they when, when they settled in, in Bengal, they trained locals as cooks. And what's so wonderful in the world of cooking is that, you know, you suddenly or gradually over time, you, you get new dishes. So these local cooks, um, they were either Burmese or they were known as mug cooks. Um, they would use this fresh cheese and they would incorporate it in their own cooking styles and that's where these these lovely sweet meats come across and then from there there's portuguese cheese called bandal cheese which is salt cured it's a fresh cheese made in a similar way to paneer um but they realized that if they smoked it um it would keep for longer and and it had its own little niche fan following which is still there today <laughs> That is absolutely fascinating. I mean, the absolute sort of rich, you know, the length of the history of Indian cuisine and the complexity of the different regions, the different influences. It's absolutely fascinating, isn't it? Um, and I was really struck, Rupa, when I, in, in your cookbook, you have got a recipe for making paneer. And I think that's wonderful because actually, and you pointed out it's a fresh cheese. So fresh cheese, you know, it really is the, the simplest sort of cheese that people can make. And it is the sort of cheese that actually home cooks can make. And in fact, obviously did make before we, you know, before you could just truck the supermarket and buy it, people have done that. And I was really sort of, um, I was thrilled actually to see that recipe there. Tell, tell me about, you know, why you put it in your cookbook and, and then talk us through how we could make paneer ourselves at home. I think for me, what makes paneer invaluable in the kitchen and it seems strange to say this but it's it's blandness it's <laughs> it's creaminess it's milky what it is is a great vehicle for other ingredients it absorbs other flavors and i think that's the, that's a wonderful asset um for paneer in its plainest sense of course you can do lots of things to it um and i was I lived in India for 18 years and nothing goes to waste in the kitchen. So if you've got some milk that's past its sell-by date, you just made paneer. And quite often in the morning, you know, you'd open the fridge and there'd be um, 
a block of fresh cheese weighed down with a couple of tins <laughs> in the fridge. Um, and that would then go into lunch. So made, yeah. I mean, pointing out, so obviously you want the acidity in the milk. So I'm guessing that's why milk towards the end of its of its shelf life yeah. is, is the or best if it's for me. Even if it's gone past it. And, and every home would would either make its own but quite often you didn't have enough so our community markets would have a dairy um or i hope they still do have that and we would just go down and we buy fresh paneer and we just slice it off and it was just spongy and it was just so obliging in the kitchen <laughs> we then came to britain to live and and i remember feeling so sorely disappointed when we bought ready-made paneer from the supermarket because here, it's not an artisan process, at least not what you buy in the supermarkets. Mm. Um, and not at all damp and spongy. It's, I suppose... Oh, rubbery, I not lovely. Is like, that what you're saying? It's a bit like the difference between buying ready-grated mozzarella, which has been coated with something to stop it sticking, and the real buffalo mozzarella, which is just soft and inviting mm. and creamy. And it was that much of a change. And it took me a while to figure out um, that with, I'm, you know, I'm not someone who's going to be prescriptive and I don't expect people to be making their own paneer every second night. But if you soak this shop-bought paneer, you will get a better texture. But non, nothing like in comparison to homemade paneer. And homemade paneer is best made with full cream milk. I mean, in India, they'll, they'll use buffalo milk because of the high fat content. Mm. It never works quite as well um, with, with semi-skimmed or and definitely not with skimmed. You need that fat. Um, and it's quite a simple process to make because you, you bring it to a simmer, the milk, and if it's on the turn, it may already split when it comes to boiling point. Mm. Um, and I find that the longer it takes to reach boiling point, the better paneer you have in the end. And and I'm not a scientist and I have no idea why this happens. That's but in interesting, <laughs> isn't it? Yes. Someone so, will let us know when they hear this programme. So, well, yeah. well, yes, if you've got if you've got you know, I don't know, two litres of milk, you know, give it give it a good twenty to thirty minutes to get to scalding point. Um, and then I add a little bit of salt. I mean, traditionally, salt isn't even added, but I just think a little bit just to give it a tiny bit of seasoning. And then you split it with um, lemon juice, lime juice, or sometimes vinegar, although I find the vinegar, white vinegar, just gives it too much of a flavour. Yeah. You want that black. Yes. Yeah. It's going yep. into the masala. Um, and you will find that it splits into curds. Um, and it, it's quite a, it's sort of a rough recipe because depending on the sourness of milk, um, you'll need less or more um, lime or lemon juice. And then that then, once it splits, you pour it through sterilised muslin. I mean, I use I use a J-cloth. <laughs> um, you just boil in water, basically, a clean J-cloth. Yeah. Um and then that's I'm glad lined... you specified that. <laughs> <laughs> and then that's lined over a sieve. Um and the whey drops away. I mean you can keep it and use it as a drink. Apparently it's very good for plants. Um and you're left with the cheese. And you so can with these soft it... curds then. So what's it looking like? It's very soft and wet, is it? Yeah. It's looking like scrambled eggs. Um some people will then rinse. This cheese with with cold water. I actually don't because quite often I don't need that much acid to split it. Um, and then you've got soft curds. Sometimes I use the soft curds instead of eggs to make scrambled paneer, bungee. Mm. 
So Indian scrambled eggs, you know, I usually fry onions, tomatoes, green chilies, um, and then add, you know, the eggs and some coriander. But instead of the eggs, if you use this crumbled paneer, it's absolutely delicious. Or if you're wanting to use it in the most traditional sense, I fold the cloth over the paneer, put it in a roasting tin, slam a little tray on top and put some tins of tomatoes or whatever, weights, um, and just leave it. Not for that long, actually. Sometimes, you know, an hour is all you need. The longer you need it, uh, leave it, the firmer the cheese. And you can then cut it's it. Basically, you're pressing out the, the, the moisture from it. I mean, you're it's pressing like out the moisture. It's so fascinating because obviously in cheese making, you know, the textures you get are very much to do with what you do with the curd and, and pressing to get rid of moisture. You know, yes. it's, it's very sort of simple and logical in a way, isn't it? So yeah, so obviously it'll be drier and firmer. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. And and then once you've got your block, you can do many things with it. Um, quite often, you know, you can actually just douse it with more lemon juice and add cumin and green chilies and coriander and black pepper some mango powder and serve it as a snack with drinks um, because again it absorbs all the other flavors or you could cut it into cubes and fry it and then add that to your your masala or just leave it absolutely plain um, and then just pop it into your your curry right at the end you don't want to overcook it because then it will start becoming quite hard i think it's really interesting isn't it so actually the charm of fresh paneer is is that it's fresh and it's really interesting isn't it? often when you make something at home for the first time you you taste it and you taste how fresh it is and that's something that you have you can't get because if you're buying it processed you know it's just not fresh because it's had to have a lot happen to it and it's been packaged and then you there's a little revelation isn't it um it must have been really yeah. satisfying for you when you first made paneer yourself in your own kitchen in london was that was that a thrill? Yes, it was an absolute thrill because I I felt as if we could never replicate what we'd taken for granted in India, and and it was only when I tried because I remember my mum trying to make it in the late sixties seventies, and she didn't have much luck, so that image was stuck in my mind, oh, right. and it was only when I tried doing it here because I was desperate. I mean, you know, the, the girl's favourite is mutter paneer and, and I thought we've got it can't be that difficult. Um and when it worked for the first time it was just wonderful. And then of course I got overexcited and tried experimenting with it um, and made masala paneer because once you've got your canvas, your blank canvas, you can do anything with it. So um, masala paneer, well, you fl- you're flavouring it then, the paneer? You flavour it. And in our community dairy shop, they would always ask us when we went to the counter, do you want plain paneer or masala paneer? So it's not so wacko. I mean, it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and done. for masala <laughs> paneer, you've got your curds and just before they... They, they set in the sieve add your spices add your toasted cumin add finely chopped green chilies and coriander um and and just mix fold everything together and then as it sets you've got these little bursts of flavor um of green chilies um as, as you put them in your mouth which i think is quite nice um, what's your favorite way of, of cooking Penny, of using your homemade penny, do you have? Is there one dish that you particularly love, or your family particularly love? I think it is. It has to be the simplest one, which is mutter paneer. Um, it's just because there's something about the sweetness of the peas, and then you've got this lovely tomatoey masala, and then the cooling blandness is such a word that doesn't have 
<laughs> that many positive connotations, but it's lovely to have that contrast in one small bowl. And it's a complete meal. So I would say matta paneer, but I also like paneer pakoras, um, which are not quite as healthy because, you know, you've got... <laughs> well, my, my favourite cooking method, frying, basically, I'm guessing. My <laughs> Deep fried paneer, but it's cloaked <laughs> in gram flour butter. <laughs> so... It's sounding good to me, Reaper. I'm with you. It's like, I mean, it sounds quite decadent, but it sounds... So again, I'm guessing the contrast, you've got the, the crisp texture outside and then inside, what, this delicate sort of fragile, soft fin. Is that right? Yes, yes. and unlike... Halloumi, which can be a little chewy as soon as it starts to cool, homemade paneer keeps its softness for a while. And, and, and also, you know, I was talking about it being a good substitute for meat. When you go to a tandoori restaurant in India and you've got your chicken tikkas and um, your kebabs, paneer tikka is a, is a stalwart of the menu because vegetarians can have paneer which is cloaked in the same spice as the yogurty masala with the ginger and everything and it's just seared in a tandoor and it's absolutely delicious it really is it's a classic you are making a great case for everyone to go and make paneer i think rupert thank you so much for um for sharing those lovely memories and and really useful insights into how to make paneer ourselves that was lovely to have you on a slice of cheese thank you i'm a huge fan of peter's yard's crackers and they go beautifully with cheese. All Peter's Yard's crackers are made in small batches using quality natural ingredients and their sourdough starter, slowly fermented for 16 hours for award-winning flavour and crunch. Visit petersyard.com forward slash shop. Enter the code slice of cheese at the checkout to receive 25% off your first order. Online, on smart speakers and on Listen Again, this is Food FM. Savour the crunch of Peter's Yard's sourdough crackers. Available at Waitrose, Sainsbury's, Ocado, Amazon, petersyard.com and specialist food retailers. Well, I'm really thrilled to have Ravinda Bergal, founder of Giconi, restaurateur, chef, food writer, with us today. Um, Ravinda, I was curious to know what your memory, I know childhood memories of food when you were growing up were really, you know, played a very similar part in shaping your, your own cooking today. Do you have strong memories of paneer? I wouldn't say I have strong memories of paneer specifically, not as strong as, say, perhaps something like dal. You know, mm -hmm. my memories of that were always this sort of pressure cooker precariously on this old stove, just puffing away. Um, but paneer, I do, I mean, I do remember uh, paneer being made for certain things um, in large quantities. So, for example, um, my grandmother was very orthodox, very religious. So she threw all these sort of religious festivals at the house. Um, and so they, there was always something sweet and celebratory. So they'd make raskolas, which essentially are made out of paneer. And I remember really large steel pots full of milk and someone kind of constantly keeping watch, making sure that the milk didn't catch or obviously boil over. Done on an outside stove on a jiko, which was a, like a coal um, stove. So, you know, all kind of quite precarious and, mm -hmm. and, and you know, uh, lots of people kind of fussing over it and watching over it. And then I remember, you know, they didn't have things like muslin cloths. So it would be an old dupatta or an old sort of, you know, with the salvar kameezes, the scarves that they mm. wear that are made of almost very thin muslin. So someone would, you know, 
proffer their old one and then it would be <laughs> held on four corners by four women or two women and and then someone strong would lift up this this huge pot of milk and strain uh the curd in the way uh so i remember that particularly in kenya that's very vivid isn't it um and I- you're writing your immigrant cuisine, you know, it's the subtitle of your book, isn't it? Proudly inauthentic recipes from the immigrant kitchen. And I was very interested in how you use paneer in your own cooking, um, you know, which in your cooking seems to me to, to bring in different elements of different parts of your, of your life, actually, and put them together in the kitchen. Yeah, I mean, I, I use uh, paneer in, in lots of ways, some of them which are very traditional. So I make things like uh, malai kofta, which are like little meatballs made out of paneer um, and cashews. And they're very, very rich and delicious, um, you know, delicious cashew curry. Or I would make sag paneer, which I don't know anyone who doesn't love sag paneer. And I think that's the beauty about paneer is that it's such a blank canvas and can be used in so many different ways. Um, And, you know, it can go from really light and fluffy uh, to really, really dense, depending on how much weight uh, or how, how long you press it for. Um, but I use it in some pretty unusual ways too, I guess. I mean, I use it often in place of things like ricotta. So I might make a cannelloni with paneer and spinach, or I might make, um, you know, one of the recipes in my book, or there are two recipes, I think, that are interesting paneer ones. One is uh, actually, now's the time to be making it, is uh, asparagus with uh, smoked paneer. So I, I add a little bit of smoke to the paneer and preserve lemon dressing. Um, That's really delicious and almonds, uh, toasted flaked almonds. And then the other one has a bit more of a story and it came about because I'd seen a documentary which I found completely compelling and it was set, uh, it was about the sort of cheese in, in Italy and how in around 2000, the Italian cheese industry was, or dairy industry was on its knees because they just couldn't get uh, the workforce. You know, people didn't want to work those long hours for, for the kind of margins that they were making. So um, they decided to set up an immigrant program where they started bringing in North Indian Sikhs, actually mainly um, Punjabi farmers, who were such experts at dealing with livestock. And they started this immigrant program to bring them over. And so it turns out that now a lot of the cheese that we eat that comes from Italy is actually being made by Punjabi farmers. And my ancestral state is Punjab. So this really spoke to me. And I just thought, my goodness, you know, how how is that going to, you know, how is that food culture going to develop? How are these Italian Sikh, North Indian immigrants going to settle? And what will that taste like? Um, and so I imagine this dish, which is a nudie, which I make out of paneer. So I, I make a fresh paneer and then um, I mix in parmesan, so a very Italian ingredient. And I make these very fluffy, light dumplings, which we sort of set in semolina and then boil. Um, and then once they're boiled, we kind of fry them in a bit of brown butter. And then we serve them with sag, which is, of course, sag paneer, North, in, uh, North Indian spinach sauce. 
And then with Cavaloneros, so, you know, Italian greens, preserved lemon and pine nuts, and then lots more Parmesan on top. So that dish speaks of an integration between two cultures. And it's a love letter, I guess, from me to those Punjabi farmers who are settling in Italy. I love the way you've tied in those different elements. And actually, you know, but also with your cooks and food-loving sensibilities, actually they do harmonise and it does, you know, it's not fusion for the sake of fusion, it's fusion that, that works and has a... It's interesting, when you talk to people who, who cook with paneer, it's the texture, often I mean, the pleasures of the texture, isn't it? Um, it is. And that seems to be a really big part of it. I mean, so I'm sort of reminded of, of bean curd, actually, which I spent my life as somebody whose mum is from Singapore and his dad is English and lived in Singapore. I spent ages trying to convert my friends to the joys of bean curd which is, you know, this delicate curd that you, and it was always dismissed as bland. I'm like, oh. I'm like, no, 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 delicate is what I say. And, then, and yeah, it's a pleasure to do with texture, you know, like fre- a fresh bean curd is a joy. And, um, and actually again, that, this lovely lightness, but it's the lovely texture that, you know, you can take bean curd and cube it and fry it and you get the skin on the outside, but this lovely softness inside. It sounds rather like what you're saying about paneer. Absolutely. And I think um, that with, um, I think, both with bean curd and tofu, when it's made fresh, it's it's you can't really compare it to anything that's shop bought. So and, and paneer is so easy. I mean, you're literally boiling up milk. When it comes to the boil, switch it off. Pour, pour in some acid. You can use vinegar or lemon juice. I like to use lemon juice. And you turn it a few times. Let it sit for half an hour. The curd and the whey will separate. You you know, separate it or sieve it through muslin and, and hang it. If you, and it's ready to use immediately. Of course, you can use it almost like scrambled tofu or something. But if you want to, you know, more of a texture, then you can, you can press it, put a weight on it. And I just think that making it so easy, it's one of the easiest cheeses you can make. There is really no science to it. It's just very, very simple. That it's, it's always worth trying to make your own if you can. It's interesting because, you know, paneer, I suppose, you know, is not a familiar ingredient to lots of people in Britain. And when I first wrote Food Loves London, it would have been something I would have had to go to an Indian shop to buy. But now I could buy it in an English supermarket. It is much more widely available, isn't it? And we know it as this rather sort of firm sort of lumps in you know in an Indian Indian meal but it sounds so much more enticing um what you're you know the way you're talking about it it's so I mean when you make it at home even when you've pressed it and and it gets a little bit more dense it still has that very kind of wonderful sponginess that you know because I think it's such a blank canvas it just takes up flavors so well and so for example when I make sag paneer I use fresh paneer and I will never fry it I know with a lot of restaurant takeaways they'll deep fry the paneer first and I with with the homemade stuff you just don't want to do that because you just want it to be kind of soft and yielding and delicious but it's still firm enough to marinate for example in the in a tandoori paste or something like that and grill it'll still hold its texture which is why I think it's just such a wonderful ingredient I I am now very hungry that was lovely that was perfect Ravinda thank you that's like um I think you know it is a cheese that we haven't it's not thought about particularly and you know I think it's something that's sort of ignorance in a way that we don't know its delights and partly because you're beginning a very commercial version that's but as you say it's same thing when you take a food that's meant to be eaten fresh and it's in its processed and made in package it loses so much doesn't it yeah one of my favorite ways to eat it and I don't do this regularly because I'd be the size of a house but (laughs) 
it's um, it, you know I have lovely memories of eating it as a as a pakora. So what you do is you um, take you make your paneer and then you sort of cut it like a like bread. So you slice it into two, and then you stuff it. And you can stuff it either with a chutney or a potato mix or whatever you feel like doing. And then you make a batter using gram flour and you dip it in the batter and deep fry it. So you've got like a stuffed paneer pakora, and it is just delicious. That sounds heavenly and not something I've tried. So that's going to be on my, my list to do. So thank you, Ravinda, for that uh, paneer inspiration. That was lovely. My pleasure. Thank you. Online, on smart speakers and on Listen Again. This is Food FM. Savour the crunch of Peter's Yard sourdough crackers. Available at Waitrose, Sainsbury's, Ocado, Amazon, petersyard.com and specialist food retailers. Well, I'm very happy indeed to have Mariam Reshi on the show with us today. Mariam I'm delighted food... to be here, Jenny. <laughs> well, thank you, Mariam. I was just going to say that Mariam is the, the food critic for the Times of India, so um, someone who knows a huge amount about the food scene in India. And Mariam, I was curious, you know, today's programme, we're talking about paneer, the Indian cheese. And That's I was interested to know is how that's um, how it's used regionally. I wondered if there are regional dishes, if it's used, you know, differently in different parts of India. That was my first question to you. Right. Okay. So it's actually the cow belt, so to speak, cow and buffalo belt is in the northern half of the country. And in uh, peninsula India, it there is milk, there is dairy, but it's not sort of overflowing that it does, as it does in the north. So basically, Punjab is the most Punjab, followed by Haryana, which is a very small state. Jammu and Kashmir also has a lot of dairy. So does UP. And then it kind of not runs out, but there's not that much to spare in Peninsula India. So so basically, paneer is a very North Indian construct. Right. And are they... What are the classic dishes that you would, you know, that are sort of staples that you would be used in? Yes, Ravinder Bhogal and uh, Rupa, of course, would possibly be, ex- would possibly tell you the exact same things that I would. It <laughs> combines, because of its sort of bland nature, it's kind of like a sponge, not not like halloumi, but it's, it's nearest equivalent in the West. Um, for uh, fresh cheese would possibly be halloumi, not so much mozzarella, not at all mozzarella. And mozzarella has a longer shelf life. Paneer does not have a a long shelf life and it's it's sort of measured in days and you and I could make it at home. I can give you the recipe of making paneer right away. Yes, Uh, in fact, Rupa's shared a a way of making it because you're right, it it is this fresh, you know, fresh cheese. Actually, you can't be making it really. (laughs) So, uh, yeah. Um, So you just make it in one pan and you sort of like, you know, saute some tomatoes and what have you and just bung in the paneer and be done with it. Like and serve it within an hour of making it and that's considered like reasonably fresh paneer for you. So right. it's a nice thing to have. It's a mainstay for vegetarians. It's, it is the, uh, how should I say, the partridge or something of the vegetarians. I mean, I don't want to look down on vegetarians, but there's not a whole lot of dishes that are royal enough for them. So 
you can have you can have a banquet a vegetarian banquet with about four or five or even six only paneer dishes because it's very versatile so it can be cooked and even prepared in a number of ways it can be kept whole in chopped up into cubes largest cubes it can be mashed up uh, it can be mashed up with something else or not with something else the way you use it, it can be fried fairly crisp and then after that put into uh, a sauce which could be called a curry i suppose if you will there's several ways of using it it's it's very versatile then isn't it which is interesting so obviously very very versatile yes and and sort of obviously you know bland or delicate depending what you which term you want to use no, but then no, no. It, it makes it versatile yeah yes that makes it versatile and the fact that it has so many ways of being prepared that you can prepare it that makes it so versatile that is a very useful standby in a in a vegetarian household for example or if you're running a restaurant and you have no idea what green vegetable to cook because it's a bit of a contradiction in terms that a lot of vegetarian people are not very fond of green vegetables because that's their mainstay in the house so when they go out they like to have something a little bit fancy and paneer if you gussy it up it can be very fancy that's a lovely phrase gussy it up i love that if i remember <laughs> i wanted to ask you because obviously you know your your travels around india and right. your eating in restaurants i was curious if if some chefs had done creative things with paneer that you know that you thought oh how interesting or how clever or how delicious not delicious i'm afraid because i've sort of seen <laughs> it all done it all but um you know that is the dichotomy there's so many what we call english vegetables like asparagus and what have you and even broccoli to a certain extent that they are so much more delicate they're so more so much more palatable and so much more deluxe if i may use the term that paneer has kind of faded away but for the standby i mean uh, the the very very traditional trope of an elderly north indian couple who was actually elderly means about my age who <laughs> 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 are out for an evening and they want to have something very deluxe they probably the thing that they probably choose is paneer rather than asparagus because it's nice and familiar that is interesting um, okay i just want to talk about two things because as soon as you told me that you would like to talk to me about paneer i phoned up two chef friends one had had until very recently a restaurant in london uh, called indian accent oh yes yeah okay have you, lovely you know i went there delicious okay. yeah yeah okay so um manish chef manish mehrotra the chef has no compunction about using paneer because he recognizes that many vegetarian communities uh, especially in the north of india go out to eat and they enjoy eating paneer so he used to do a lot of things with um blow torching paneer cutting it into very very fine slices and then rolling them up and using it as a vehicle to to uh, juxtapose say spinach or something of that sort with paneer sort of build it up and and do very extraordinary things with it and then of course every time you go out shopping into a any area which is kind of traditional in delhi what is called the older part of the city 
the thing that you would definitely have is paneer pakoras. You would take uh, yellow gram, a paste, uh, make a paste of yellow gram, a little bit of salt and what have you, coat blocks of paneer and then deep fry them. And that's, that is something that, I mean, I could eat any amount of because that's really delicious. But Manish used to keep trying all these things and he had great success with it. And then buoyed on by his enthusiasm for paneer, I spoke to another chef called Chef Zach. Thomas Zacharias is his full name, but he just goes by the sobriquet of Chef Zach. And he said, paneer. I mean, Chef Zach is from the <laughs> complete south of the country. So uh, I told you that in peninsular India, paneer is paneer and all sorts of dairy products are not a very big thing. So yeah. uh, he said, no, 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 no. I have tried to stay away from the trope of paneer because I just think it's, it's a losing battle. No matter what you do, I mean, you're copying somebody else who's copying somebody else who's copying somebody else. So you'll never do it. You'll never, as a chef, you'll never be able to do anything creative and stroke or original with paneer. So one day he had minced paneer and mixed it up with a couple of, other ingredients, some crisp and some, I think, nutty or something, and then made little balls of them and then put them into a thin curry uh, whose base was semi-mushy green peas. It's called Nimona, N-I-M-O-N-A. And I love Nimona. I'd never have thought of bungling it up with paneer, but hmm. there you have it. But Zach didn't think very highly of, of the dish. He's thought that it was too much. I mean, he he didn't think it was original enough. And his restaurant only used to, only does very original stuff, which is sort of made in the Indian style, but which has never been, which your grandmother and your aunt would never have made in their lives or ever mm -hmm. have heard of. So it takes very traditional vegetables and fruit and nuts and other ingredients, pulses, etc. But it does something completely out of the ordinary with them. That's what Bombay Canteen is about. And Zach just could not get his head around uh, using paneer. So after that thing did very well, he just sort of stopped using it. That's fascinating, isn't it? Two very different Absolutely. experiences. Yeah. So, oh, thank you for doing that research for us, Mariam. It's a fascinating insight into... I mean, it's interesting isn't it, how ingredients are seen and something very ordinary um, can sort of just be seen as, you know... To you know, I suppose to to every day in a way to be exciting, but then someone will come along, you know, and just think, oh, but have you ever done this? And then there'll be this uh, this moment of of you know creativity, culinary creativity. But it sounds yes, like Pini is a real friendly presence. Then in you know for for a big part of of Indian household, it sounds like it's a real staple then for for Indian vegetarian households. Uh, for North Indian vegetarians, yes, it damn well is a status. Uh, sim not status symbol, but it is the uh, most premium uh, ingredient that is going to be used at, at a dinner party. So you try and stuff in a couple more of them. Oh, lovely. Brilliant. Well, Mariam, it was such a pleasure. It was so fascinating to hear your, your insights. And thank you very much for sharing sharing, sharing those with us and, and taking the time to be with us today. We really appreciate it. So that was Mariam Rishi. <laughs> To find out more about Food FM and our content, go to foodfmradio.com. Thank you so much for listening to A Slice of Cheese. I hope you've enjoyed it. 
If you have enjoyed it, it would be lovely if you could rate us on wherever you've found this podcast. It will make such a difference to us. So I hope you'll enjoy us again. Thank you very much.